Is this God asking you to give more? In every way. In every way. How much more is he asking you to give? We should all know the answer to that. The three-letter word. All. All. You know what all means? All means all. And that's all all means. That's what he's asking. All. Well, we, we are in a series, a season on our entrustment. God's given us some things, and for every steward who's given an, an entrustment, there is a time of accountability. This morning, I was really going to do a deep dive into being deployed. I know we've talked about spiritual gifts. Some of you have taken. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I wasn't going to do this, but I am going to do it. <laughs> because God has called us as servants to be faithful. How many took the spiritual test? Spiritual gifts test. Very good. Very good. I think one of the things that we all need to get used to is greater accountability. When God says something to us, he doesn't just say things to hear himself say things, but he says things for us to respond. This morning I want to talk about that. I was going to share on deployment because that really is um, kind of the, the, the next step out, but I, I wanted to kind of pause a little bit. I, I, I want to at another time maybe go deeper into deployment, but I want us to keep that word in front of us because it's an important one. Let's pray. Lord, we just give you thanks that you have called us to yourself when we were your enemies, when we didn't care anything for you, when some of us were actively opposed to you, you loved us even then. And you sent your son and you drew us to yourself. And you reconciled us and you made us sons and daughters. And you've made us co-laborers with you in your eternal purposes in the earth. And so, Lord, today we're here because we are sons and daughters. We thank you for your presence with us today. And, Lord, we lean in. We lean in for the express, express purpose of hearing your voice that we might respond to you in faith and in obedience. And so, Lord, I ask that you would give us ears to hear today that which you are saying, not just perceiving sound or words, but that we would understand and grasp your heart as well. Open our ears that we can have ears to hear. Help me, Lord, to be clear with your word, not only to speak your word, but to convey your heart as well, so that in both the hearing and the declaring of your word, you would be honored, and through our obedience, your kingdom extended. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I, I want to talk about uh, or to make reference to being deployed, but I want to add a little caveat because there's, there is a span, there's a spectrum, there's a scope in which we need to look at deployment, and that is in life, in real time. And, and I want to say this about the life that we are called to live. It has two aspects. 
which are interconnected and inseparable. The life we're called to live in the kingdom of God is both natural and supernatural. Whether you like it or not, or believe it or not, those are the realities that we have. We live in a culture which is material and secular. And so everything around you says, this is only natural. It's only material. But what God is saying is, no. The reality is, it's natural, it's supernatural, it's material, it's spiritual. And so with that in mind, I, I want us to understand uh, what it is that God is presenting. This is an exciting time this morning. I, I'm very excited because of what I believe God wants to do. Now, let me just take care of some housekeeping things in terms of this issue of deployment so that you can kind of file that back because we'll make reference to that again as we go on. Definitions, dictionary definitions, I love those. I'm, I'm convinced that as smart as we are in our generation, we have a horrible time with words and understanding the real definitions of words. As a matter of fact, we torture them, we contort them, we conflate them, we do all kinds of things with words. We give them meanings that they never were intended to have, and everybody lives in that kind of chaos. So often for me, what you're going to hear are definitions. Let me give you real quickly one. Deploy, to come into a position ready for use. But, I, but along with that, let's, let's put the, the noun there, deployment. It's the act of moving something or someone into a strategic position or a position of readiness, important word, or the condition of being in such a position. So it's strategic. It's getting into position so that you can be ready. One more little definition for you. Ready. And I, and I hate to insult anyone's intelligence. I don't mean to do that. But I just think it's good for, for us to remind ourselves of what these words actually mean. Ready. Completely prepared for or in fit condition for immediate action. Do you hear that? Immediate, in the moment. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When God makes his will done, when is it done? Immediately. So for immediate action or use, number two, duly equipped, completed, adjusted, or arranged as for an occasion or purpose. There's a third definition. It's not actually in my overhead, but there's another one that I find fascinating. It's just a little word. Ready means willing. Willing. You know, sometimes there's a thing that needs to be done. You can do it. You're equipped to do it. You just don't want to do it. Is that true? Okay. Sometimes you don't pray. Why don't I pray? Because I don't want to hear what he has to say. Oops. All right. Okay. So th those are just kind of some things that we need to kind of have swirling in our heads as we listen to the rest of this. Now, we're talking about real-time, immediate deployment into something. But I want to go back and take a look at what Jesus did when it came to those things. Jesus chose 12 men to send them out, the apostles. 
256 times he calls us disciples. What are we to do? We're to follow him. Follow him what? And all that he did, we're to do. So what did he, where did he send us? He sent us to the world. I think it's fascinating that this church, for, as, as, for the size that you have, have so many missionaries that you support. But let me give you a heads up. Those who are sitting in this room, you're missionaries. You're sent. And that's not bad. It's the purpose of God. Why? Because we're supposed to, across the whole earth, represent him. So there is this work. But here's Jesus. He's got his 12, and, and he's worked with them three years. He went to the Father, as a matter of fact, spent all night to determine who are the ones that I need to send. And so it's important that we understand he prayed. He didn't just look for, you know, the best equipped, most talented, beautiful people, you know, really intelligent. He didn't look for that. He went to the Father and he said, who do I send? Why did he say that? Because the Father knew. There's a place in John, I think fascinating. Jesus says, um, Lord, those that you've given me. The Father knew. That was in the Father. Jesus needed to get that information before he chose the 12. I'm going to kind of come back to that in a moment. Um, but it's this notion that Three and a half years, he's with them. He instructs them. He's getting ready to depart. In Luke chapter 24, let me read to you. This is what he says just a little bit before he's getting ready to depart. Um, I want to start reading in verse 44. It says, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you which, while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He actually had to let them know who he was through the scriptures because they were still kind of clueless in some ways. Uh, verse 46, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. You know how many times he told them that? And they didn't get it. Over and over, he kept telling them, and they didn't get it. Well, anyway, okay, verse 47. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. There it is. There's the call. Where are you going? All the nations beginning where? Here, Jerusalem. You got a Jerusalem. Here, okay, Cleveland. You are witnesses of these things. Verse 49. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, so he's getting ready to leave. He's telling them where he's sending them. They've been with him three and a half years. They saw it all, everything. They heard his teaching. They ministered with him. They did everything with him. You would think after three and a half years of 24-7, they would be ready to go. I would feel that way. Would you feel that way? Lord, we've really been with you all of this time. So, you know, help us now. Send us out. Let us do the thing that, that you told us we need to do. But it says, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, and you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So rather than saying, you know, on your mark, gazette, go, what he said was, on your mark, gazette, stay. Stay. Why? What reason would they have for staying when all of this time and all of this effort was put into preparing them for his departure. Well, let me go back one more time. When John the Baptist 
introduced who Jesus was. Just as in, in um, Luke chapter 3, verse 16, John answered and said to all of them, when they asked, you know, who, uh, who are you? He says, as for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not unfit to untie the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That is an expressed work that Jesus was given to do. Baptize us. Now, here's John who's baptizing in water, but Jesus' task was to baptize us and them in the Holy Spirit and with fire. So, part of the work of Christ. It's his work. It's his call. So what does he do? He gives instructions. His instructions, and it has to be done his way. By the way, I think it's interesting that there's a, there's a passage in Zechariah says, it's not by power, no by works, but what? By my spirit, says the Lord. You know, flesh will not accomplish what God wants. You can't naturally do what God can only do supernaturally. Okay? So that's an important thing for you to understand. So he says, get on your mark, get set, wait. In Jerusalem, how long? Until. Until what? Till you clothe with power. Now, if you're following him for three years, what does that mean? See, they didn't have the, the, the advantage of the scriptures like we do. So wait until you're clothed with power. What does that mean? They don't know what that means. Because he didn't explain what that means. But he just said, just wait. So what, is, what do they do? They did exactly what he told them to do. He gave them instructions. Go to Jerusalem. Stay there until. He didn't tell them what that meant. He just left it there. Do you realize that there are times that God will tell you to do things and not tell you what it means? He'll give you this much of an instruction and leave this much that he doesn't let you know. So what are you obligated to do? The, this much. What do you do with the rest? You wait until he gives you more. Okay? Okay. So that's what, that's what we see taking place here. Now, let me run real quickly to, through what, what then happened. In Acts chapter 1, there's no, there's no slide for this, so you don't have to do that. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. I just want to read a couple places so you can track with me here. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, verse 12, by the way, if you're taking notes, 12 through 14, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all went with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women, the mother of Mary, uh, the mother Mary, uh, Mary, the mother of Joseph, of Jesus, excuse me, and with his brothers. So what did they do in response to what he said? He said, go to Jerusalem and wait. What did they do? They went to Jerusalem. They got in the upper room. What else did they do? They prayed. They prayed. There was nothing else to do while they waited, so they prayed. Why did they pray? You're going to hear me refer to this several times. There is a 
movement. There is a trajectory that you and I need to get used to. That trajectory is heaven downward. Let me give you an example. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven downward. Whatever you bind on earth, actually the tense, if you look at the grammar, is shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been bound first where? In heaven. If you look at the, the text of the scripture, we actually get it backward. We think, I'll do it here, it'll happen there. No, no, no. No, no. What has happened here gets manifest through you here. So it's important to understand that dynamic. So they go, they, 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 their response to his instruction was they obeyed it. They didn't debate it. They didn't, you know, evaluate or analyze it. They just did it. They went to Jerusalem. So they returned and they prayed until what? Until he did something. So what did he do? Acts chapter 2, verse 5. We all know the story. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from from where? Heaven. A noise like a violent rushing wind. And it did what? Filled the whole house where they were sitting. Came from heaven, filled the room. Heaven downward. Filled the room. Okay. Um, They were, and, and there appeared on them tongues as a fire distributing themselves and they rested on each one and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Just a few verses further it says as Peter is explaining, well let's stop there for a minute. He said wait here until you be clothed with power. They didn't understand that when he said go to Jerusalem and wait But now, he's making clear what that clothed with power means. And I'll say this. It's in visual, demonstrable, sensory ways. It's not an abstract any longer. What happened? There's this noise. Everybody heard the noise. There were the tongues of fire. Those who were in the room, they saw that. Where did it rest? On every one of them. Then there was this other thing that happened. The first things happened around them and to them, but the last thing came out of them. Heaven downward came out of them. So what starts happening? They start speaking with other tongues. There are 15 ethnic groups that are represented there. Some African, some European. They all spoke different languages. And what starts happening? These folks start hearing audibly things being spoken from folks who didn't have a clue how to speak some of these languages. I love that. I love my brothers and sisters from other parts of the world. You know, we kind of have a a disadvantage as Americans. Most folks that I have met who are from other nations are multilingual. 
They can speak at least two languages, some three, four, and five languages. You know how many languages most of us can speak? One. And we don't really even do that all that well sometimes. <laughs> so it's something when all of a sudden something's coming out of me that I never learned, but this guy over here is from the place where they speak this thing that's coming out, and he hears and he understands what's going on. All of a sudden, something becomes sensory. You, you feel it, you hear it, you see it. So now, it's the supernatural is manifest in a natural way that contains both the supernatural and the natural. Do you see it? Do you see it? Marvelous thing. I love that about God. God doesn't hide all of his ability. He gives us that stuff. So anyway, all right. So now you've got, you've got this thing that's taking place. Peter's trying to explain what's going on. Just a few verses down in uh, Acts 2.32, uh, this is what he says. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses, therefore having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. Everybody that was looking at that thing, and by the way, you know how loud it was? It was so loud that folks out on the street heard it. It wasn't just folks that were in the room. People in the streets heard this stuff, came in to see what's happened. They see these folks, you know, doing all of this stuff. They hear all this stuff. And you know what their conclusion was? They're drunk. That was their conclusion. These guys are drunk. I thought, I thought Peter's response was an interesting one. <laughs> I don't want to offend church folks, but he said, no, we're not drunk. It's too early in the morning for that. But that was the thing. He explains to them what's taken place. Look at what he says. God the Father raised up again Jesus that we're all witnesses of. Now they saw Jesus, 500 of them at one point. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, which he talked to them about, now look at what it says. He has poured forth this which you both see and hear. His explanation to them was, you just watch Jesus from his position in heaven pour forth his spirit. This is what he's done. It's not what we've done. And it's important to understand that because it's the work, it's the work of Christ. He did something, not we did something. We only responded to that. So now... Uh, um, it's, it, you see the movement, heaven downward. And what's important is your response to what he now is doing. So, in that situation, what had the Father done? Exalted Jesus to the right hand of the Father. Let all the house of Israel, in verse 36 says, uh, know for certain that God made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Okay, so what was it that the Father did? Raised him up, made him Lord in Christ. Then, next question. Well, what's our response to that? In verse 38, and you can go to the next slide with this, 
Acts 2, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So our, their response to the fact that God has raised him up to be both Lord and Messiah is now you repent and be baptized. That's your response. What's the result of your response? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus is here to baptize in the Holy Spirit. So the condition really is, it's fairly easy. Repent and believe. Receive him as Lord and as Christ. Be forgiven for your sins. The result, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to talk for a moment just about this issue of the Holy Spirit because he is the one who brings all of the other things that we're talking about. He's the one who puts them in play. It's the Holy Spirit. And he's a, he's a he, by the way, not an it. He's the one. And so I want to talk about what I call kind of this little play on words. They're the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's the gift, excuse me. There's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then there are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you need to understand the difference between those because it's going to be important as we go forward. This is why Jesus says you can't go now because you haven't received him. Know him, you don't have what you need for what's, what needs to be done. Why? Because you're human, you're flesh, you're limited in your ability to do the work that God wants you to do. So you need some help here. You need some supernatural things going on. And so let's take a look at that. Um, there's a distinction that I need to point out to you also. Um, what we just looked at in terms of the gift of the Holy Spirit, um, the word that's used there in the original language is dorea, D-O-R-E-A. It's a Greek word that denotes the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's a gift. Given by who? Jesus. That's what Peter says. He just poured forth his spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the gift from Jesus. Why is he necessary? Because you can't do what you need to do as my followers without him. You can't. It's impossible. <laughs> Be suspect of folks who want to minimize or intellectualize the place of the Holy Spirit. I could get in some really deep trouble right here. We don't have time for that right now. But be suspect for folks who want to minimize his importance and his work. Because largely what you will find are things done with the best of detentions, of, of attentions, but falling far short of God's intent. Why? Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. Um, so there is this word gift to denote the gift of the Holy Spirit, Doria. But then, and this is where I want to shift and we'll spend the rest of our time here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And I'm only going to read the very beginning of that. I'll pick the, the rest of it up a little later on here in a moment. But it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, but to each one is given the manifestation 
of the Spirit for the common good. The one is the gift of the Holy Spirit, but now we're not talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're now talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That word there for manifestation or gift is charis, charisma, which means grace. So Doria refers to the gift of the Holy Spirit. Charisma or charis refers to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Two very different things. Um, but you need to understand that those two words are never interchanged in the New Testament. Okay? Charisma is never used to denote the gift of the Holy Spirit who is received at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Doria is never used to denote any of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the believers who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So two very different experiences with the Holy Spirit. One is when we receive him. The other one is where, where we pour out, where he pours out and manifests his gifts. Now, let me give you a, a, just a little picture to help you understand the difference between those. Two Sundays, Resurrection Sunday. Jesus was raised, by the way, was it first day of the week that, that, uh, that they saw him? He was raised. That night, when all of the disciples, all of the apostles and disciples, they're all together, he comes into the room, comes through the door and the whole thing talks to them. Thomas has his whole thing with Jesus, and Jesus convinces him and all of that. But then Jesus does an interesting thing in John. He blows on him, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. At that point in time, infilled by the Spirit of God, he indwelled them. At that point, of their conversions. Matter of fact, I think it happens maybe a little before that, but that's a doctrinal thing and don't want to get into all of that with you. But you realize you can't come to Jesus unless the Father draws you. And how does he do that? Who quickens you? Holy Spirit. So that's one encounter. First Sunday is receive the Holy Spirit. The second Sunday, however, is 50 days after. We call it Pentecost. And that's what, what we just talked about happens. So that wasn't about filling. What was that about? That was about empowering. God shook the whole thing up. And there are places in Acts where the room shook. Why? Because there's this power that's coming. So one is about being filled with the Holy Spirit or indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The other one is there's all of the stuff that's going on. And it's dramatic. God was not subtle with this stuff. He made a loud noise. There was a wind that filled the room. They all felt it. There were the tongues of fire. And these folks, 120 of them, are making all of this noise. And they probably weren't whispering. <laughs> There's all of this noise that they're making. Oh, whatever. Take that and multiply it. 120 times. There's some noise that's coming out. So two very different encounters, but very distinct, very distinct experiences with the Holy Spirit. So, and you see this through the book of Acts. Now, what I want to do real quickly is just read through some things for you. And I want to give you a little bit of explanation, and I want to give you some 
instruction. Because remember what Jesus does. He gives instruction. They respond to his instruction. Go and wait, and you will receive power from on high. Gives them the instruction. When they did what he said, then he did what he said he was going to do. So um, 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read this very quickly. We all know it, so I don't have to belabor it. And we'll do a deeper dive, I think, at another time with... uh, with you in terms of unpacking all of that. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, charis, which is grace, by the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good. The manifestations ain't for you. The manifestations are for the common good. So if you sit on your gift, you're not the one that's hurt. Well, actually, you are because you disobey. But the ones who really are hurt are the ones who these things are intended for. And do you think God won't call us into account for that? Okay. All right. So anyway. Um, for the one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing, uh, uh, by the one spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretations of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one, yet has many members, and all the members are the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. I'll stop there. Let me give you real quickly an unpacking of some of what that means. Words of wisdom. This is the Spirit of God revealing to Remember, supernatural things. You don't have these as natural gifts. These are manifestations that the Holy Spirit, who you received as a gift, now gives to you. And each one of you has manifestations of this. So there ain't no exceptions to this thing. Okay. Spirit of wisdom. This is the Spirit of God revealing to our spirit uh, the imminent course of things when men have chosen the will of God to become their will. I want to do a thing. God, I know this is your will. How do I do this? Sometimes God will supernaturally give someone a word of wisdom, which will be, you need to do this, 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 and this. And it's the wisdom to know this is what you need to do in order to get there. Okay, second, word of knowledge. Information that is hidden hidden to our natural senses in real time that is revealed to us by the Spirit of God. I could give an example in scriptures, but I don't have time to do that. But all of a sudden, God lets you know this thing that you don't have any other way of knowing. Your senses aren't telling you that, but you know it. Why? Because the Spirit of God manifests that thing in you. Thirdly, Discerning of spirits, boy, this is a big one. The ability to see the true spiritual agents influencing people, circumstances, events, whether it's of God and his angels or of Satan and demons. You think that's important right now? Huh. Huh. Next, prophecy. This is a message spoken by the spirit through an individual for the purpose of building the people, uh, building people up in truth calling them nearer to God and giving encouragement. Kinds of tongues. Now, this, kind of, this is different than what, what we saw happening in Acts. Kinds of, this is a message given by the Spirit in any of the infinite dialects of men and angels to be interpreted by the hearers through someone or in them by the Holy Spirit. Men and angels. 
not to be confused, this is not the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but it's a result of it. Nor is it praying in tongues. Praying in tongues is what we see during the day of Pentecost. And that is subject to the believer's will, not to the Spirit. Okay? Moving on. Interpretation of tongues. This manifestation is separate from yet reliant upon a tongue being spoken. Someone speaks in a meeting in a tongue, then someone will interpret that. Interpretation of tongues is a translation not specifically of language, but of the Spirit into words that are tangible to our need for revelation, knowledge, prophecy, and doctrine. Moving on. Faith. Manifestation of the Spirit. This gift is the source of provision, supply, substance, power, and influence, the inter and uh, the interruption of natural laws for a person without their affecting presence. You ain't even there in the room, God, but he has faith, and your being there is inconsequential of that. He'll give, you, through that person, faith for those things that break all of the rules. That's an easy way of putting it. Gifts of healing. When the source of sickness, disease, infirmity, demonic possession are subdued and driven out of an individual, it is one of the several aspects of the gifts of healing. Huh, in the name of Jesus. There you go. Last one, working of miracles. I like, the, I like these things. I mean, they just, they just make it exciting now because you have gone beyond my little puny weakness and you've just... Anyway, okay. This work of miracles, this is the source of provision, supply, substance, power, and influence, the interruption of natural laws through a person as a result of their presence. One, they didn't have to be there, but sometimes the Holy Spirit said, no, you're going to be the one that I'm going to do this through. And all of a sudden, Peter and John on the way to the temple, Day after all the excitement goes on, they meet a guy who's lame, he's a beggar, don't have money, silver and gold I don't have. What I do have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus, rise and you think that gets attention. I'll tell you what, you don't have to do a whole lot of convincing folks when that stuff starts going on. Okay, now how do you receive all of this? Remember I said these gifts are gifts of grace, charis. That word means grace. Um, real briefly here, grace isn't something that you earn. If you earned it, it isn't grace. It's works. If it's irrespective of your works and you get it, it's grace. All right? So the, the, the issue is an issue of, of grace. Romans 11, 6, this is um, next thing. By grace, it is no longer a basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. <sighs> Everything that we receive from God is on the basis of grace. Everything that we receive. You can't earn your salvation when it comes to the Holy Spirit. You can't pay for him. You can't earn him. It's on the basis of the grace of God. And that's going to be important. We're going to pray here uh, later on for some who want to receive the Holy Spirit. You can't earn that. You can't impress God. You know, you can't rationalize or anything else your way into this thing. It is just the free gift of God. Right. He pours it out. Okay. So faith is the basis by which 
we receive all of this. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Three principal phrases in Ephesians 2 that you need to be aware of. Three successive phases. By grace, through faith, not of works. Let's say that. Say that with me. By grace, through faith, not of works. Okay, that makes it real easy. You can't work it. It comes from God through faith. All right. Now, um, I want to close and, and give you some instruction because, like I said, in a few minutes, some of you uh, will we'll pray for that you can receive the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus gives instructions. It's your response and obedience to those instructions that will bring the results that God has promised us. So let me just go down a list real quickly in terms of the instructions. There's six of them. Um, Acts chapter 2, Peter says, when they say, what must we do? Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Two things, repent, repentance, and baptism. Those are two things. Many of you have already repented. You've known Christ. You've been baptized. Some of you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but this is available to you. The second of, of the steps of faith, I'm giving you six instructions of faith in terms of receiving the baptism. The second is just be thirsty. Be thirsty. God, I want this from you. I'm not, oh, this is just an intellectual curiosity to me. No, be thirsty. John 7, Jesus says, on the last day, uh, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from this innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Ah, I can't, I can't resist this. Just indulge me just another moment real briefly. This weekend, we have two little Havanese dogs, little tiny things. And one of those, she got into some stuff the other day, and it was really severe. I mean, it could have killed her. We took her to a vet, spent a whole bunch of time at the vet, but she got dehydrated. And that's the worst thing that can happen to little animals. Same thing with you. You and I can go several days without food, but we can't go without water. Do you know what happens when you're thirsty and somebody gives you water? You just keep drinking and drinking and drinking. I watched little Gigi, our, our little dog. I watched her when we got her home. They had to give her IVs, you know, under skin, and she went to get water, and, and she drank. And she kept drinking. She kept drinking. And she kept drinking. And she kept drinking. And she kept drinking. Why? Because she was thirsty. She needed water. If there's, if there's a picture for you, it's our need for water. And the Holy Spirit is a picture of the living water that God gives us. So again, we're thirsty for that. So what do you do? You drink. You're thirsty. You're thirsty. If anyone is thirsty, Jesus says, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow, not trickles, but rivers of living water. You want to make an impact? Drink because you're thirsty. And all of a sudden, what fills you will have impact every place that you go. Third step of faith is, if you're thirsty, ask. I mean, these aren't deep spiritual truths, folks. These are just easy things. Ask. 
Luke 11, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You want something from God? Ask him. You want the Holy Spirit? Here's Jesus giving you permission. Ask him. You repent, you're baptized, you're thirsty, so you ask. Now, when you ask, what does he do? He give you water. John 7. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Oh, by the way, by the way, there's a Psalm 81 that says, I, the Lord, am your God, 81 verse 10, who brought you from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. You want a drink? Open your mouth wide. God says, I'll fill it. You're thirsty, you repent, you believe. You're thirsty, so you ask. And you position yourself to receive, how do I position myself? I open my mouth wide so that I can drink the water. The very last thing is, I think it's an outstanding one. And that is, remember what it says about Jesus? God made this Jesus to be Lord and Messiah. You yield. You yield. Let me tell you practically what that looks like. Romans 6.13. Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Present your members. For those of you, when we pray, you have a little bit of skin in the game. It's not, okay, God, this is what I want. Show me your stuff. It's, Lord, I'm thirsty, however, whatever. And so I'll just yield my members to you as instruments of righteousness. I want to read one more scripture and then we'll close. Listen to what it says. We actually read this earlier. Most folks didn't pay attention. Acts 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. What happened? They began to do what? Speak. Did the Holy Spirit open their mouths? No. Who had to supply the mouth? Who had to supply the voice? Who gave them what to say? You see that? Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? I don't even have to understand the language. Because they didn't. All I God, I just, I supply my mouth and my voice. You do the rest. That's faith. That's faith. That will turn your whole world upside down because the entry into this thing it's not an intellectual knowledge about the gifts or all of these other things. No, no, no. It's your encounter. You're receiving the Doria 
so that then through him the charisma can be manifest. Natural and supernatural. Material and spiritual. And guess what? It's all through you and you and you. Well, let me pray over you. Lord, we, we're amazed at your wisdom that you take people who are essentially dirt, mud, made us from that, and then you entrust us, your very spirit, who animates, gives life to us, and then in us, your very power is made available through those who are essentially made out of dirt. What an amazing God you are that you should use us, manifest yourself through us. And so, Lord, I ask that even this morning, as it was on that morning, where they were in the upper room praying, there are those who are waiting for the promise. And so, Lord, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do today what you did then baptized, filling inwardly to the point of overflow by your very power that we might be your witnesses. Thank you that you haven't withheld anything from us as we follow you. We just give you thanks now in Jesus' name. Thank you.